What's up everyone and welcome to episode 88 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Bagbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, greetings to all, hope everyone is well. Um, I'm personally not so great, I'm recovering from some kind of flu bug that has completely wiped me out for the last four days, um, which absolutely sucked, uh, completely cancelled out my week apart from work um, and for the last two days I was at work I felt like absolute shit uh, I had to bail on two gigs as well which I absolutely hate and then I missed Kississippi which I was really bummed out about because I was super looking forward to them and also missed out on seeing Shame which is a band that I bought tickets for for my brother so yeah not not a great week for me um, instead I've been vegetating watching lots of TV I'm all caught up on The Good Place now, so thumbs up to that. Ted Danson, King of Kings, fucking legend that dude. Um, and watching a lot lot of wrestling as well. You might, be, I have turned it down a little bit, but you might be able to hear I'm on the tail end of Survivor Series at the moment, so I'm nearly fully caught up with my wrestling for the weekend as well. Um, so yeah, don't have a whole lot to report to you in regards to my goings on this week. Um, so we'll get on to some news and we'll go in with some new 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 music this week. Got developed a stutter as well, apparently is a cold. Um, starting with the Twilight Sad, a band who've been around for a very long time and have influenced many bands and they're still cracking on at what they do. They've released a new song. Uh, the song is called VTR um, and it's off the forthcoming album which is called uh, It Won't Be Like This All The Time uh, which comes out in January. Uh, you can listen to the track on Sound... No, not SoundCloud, sorry. Spotify and on YouTube. Uh, also new music-wise, uh, Feminist Two-Piece Girl Pool have announced that they are going to be releasing a new record as well. Uh, the record is titled What Chaos Is Imaginary and that is out on February 1st. So already off the start of 2019, two cracking records to look forward to. Um, and finally, this is not necessarily news, but it's something that I wanted to mention. Um, good friends of ours, Charlotte Light and Dark, finally released their uh, long-anticipated debut full-length on Friday. Um, you can go listen to it on their Bandcamp account. And it is an absolute delight. It is if you're a Screamo fan, a Scrams fan, whatever you want to call it, then this is the album for you. Um, I think because they're not on a, a label or anything, that this might get overlooked. So please, please, please go check it out. Um, I'm still trying to get Darren on this show as well, um, but he's an elusive bugger. So Darren, if you're listening, sort it out, mate. Um, speaking of getting people on the show, let's go on to this week's guest. Uh, and he is the drummer of the band North and Languish, uh, Zach Hansen. Uh, during the chat, me and Zach discuss him growing up in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, we discuss how North's music sound progressed and developed throughout the years and kind of became a lot more heavier influenced. Uh, how Languish became a band and how Sean from Gatecreeper slid into to that fixture. Um, and how Zach as, as a musician in general has evolved, like going from playing post-rock to now doing his own instrumental uh, noise project as well as North and uh, Languish. So yeah, that's all that and much more. Um, so yeah, as always, please sit back, enjoy the chat that I have with Zach, and I'll see you on the other side.
Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is uh, drummer for North and Languish, Zach Hansen. Zach, thank you very much for, for joining me. How's everything in, in your world? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, great. We're really excited about this language record, and I'm really excited to be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll get to as as I said, we'll get to the to the record kind of tail end of the show. But how I like to th- start everything off is to ask my guest kind of what their their sort of introduction to alternative music was. So, what kind of first got you into sort of alternative music when you were younger? That's a really hard question but <laughs> <laughs> really just coming up i was uh you know you're you're a misunderstood kid right is that is that how it always starts yeah yeah uh, you feel like you're missing something and and it just takes one or two bands one or two people to introduce you to this to this alternative scene to this uh to this underground world of music that you didn't know existed yeah so I'd say i was probably 12, 13, 14, uh, middle school over here. And I don't just, just a best friend just started showing me punk records. And I just immediately, you know, he, he had a binder full of CDs that he had picked up and we just started sharing CDs. And, and that was, that was a breakthrough for me. You know, you feel like, like your life is changing mm. at that point. I really felt that when I was, God, what was I? 13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to feel that at thirteen, and, and to go from this, from from what you feel before, and and to be literally transformed, kind of overnight. And yeah, that was that was really the beginning, and uh, and then as you go on, you you discover more and more stuff, and more and more people, and more and more underground music, and then eventually, you know, you end up where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in those kind of early days when you were sort of say like swapping CDs, what were the kind of the bands that first kind of stuck in your mind that kind of switched you on to, onto the sort of like the punk world. We, so, so I got to show my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 31. So I got to show my, <laughs> my relative youth or, or, or age. I'm not even sure anymore if I'm, older <laughs> if I'm young. And, uh, really, I don't know. Bands like, bands like, it's stupid, but like, Green Day, yeah. XPX, um, Blink-182, like, I don't know, like, punk when you're 12, yeah, yeah. pop punk, that, just anything, like, crass, silly, people that don't give a fuck, like, and, and then from there, just exploring even further, you know, getting into into metal and getting into hardcore, uh, who... I, used, I would go to Warp Tour and just just watch every band. You yeah, know? just everything. We would go to CD stores and just comb through the punk section, and and, and we didn't know anything. It was, it was in two thousand one, and and basically you knew what you saw. So local Tucson punk, local Tucson ska, local Tucson hardcore. We just went to every local show we could mm. to absorb everything, to absorb the culture, to absorb how these guys did it. Yeah. Well, cause I think, oh, so, so much. Yeah, because I think, like, I've, I'm a similar age to you. I'm, I'm 29 at the moment, turning 30 next year. But it was sort of a similar thing. Like, the way you discovered music was going into a record store and you'd see the label and you'd see, like, the for fans of. But you wouldn't actually know 
anything about the band that you're buying the CD of until you got home and listened to it sort of thing. So obviously you were saying about kind of going out to, to you obviously went to Warp Tour and things like that, but what was your kind of, so were you going to sort of like local shows and things like that at the same time or how did that, how did your yes. kind of exposure live yes, of that kind of happen? I, I, think, I think that was kind of lost is we, it, we just absorbed the local shows too. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, we went to everything, punk shows, hardcore shows, everything was combined back in those days too. Right. Okay. Just coming up in 2000, 2001 and, and you'd go to one local show and you'd see, you'd see a hardcore band and you'd see a ska band and you'd see punk bands and you would worship these guys, you know, they're, what were they, maybe 18, 17. Yeah. And, and even then, you know, it's just like, they're doing this and and I want to do this. This yeah. is exactly where I want to be. So in terms of kind of your sort of musical journey, when obviously the kind of, sim- I guess, adjacent to what you're sort of playing now, when did you kind of discover that sort of side of punk, like moving away from like your green days and things like that? Like, <laughs> where, when did you kind of find stuff that's a bit more abrasive, a bit more fast and things like that? My journey is really roundabout, I feel. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, how do you get from that to where I am? <laughs> and part of it was uh, was the the metalcore scene, right? In uh, in the in the mid two thousands, so bands like Unearth, um, uh, 18, 18 Visions, kind of cringy bands. Now you think like <laughs> Trustco Records. Um, ferret records just just metalcore in general was was kind of like a bridge to um to re, to real to real metal you know and then and then if, i don't know if you're familiar with you know with north's early years but we you know we were we were very much a post-rock band yeah when we first started and and that was we just wanted to make epic sweeping music so it's like i go from from these like early night uh, early uh <clears throat> early aughts punk bands to these mid aughts uh, metal and, and metalcore bands and um, and, and somehow end up in a, in a post-rock band I mean Between the Buried and Me was, was a big influence I think when I was like 15, 16 yeah. that was like that first record I think um, The Silent Circus uh, The Bled from here The Bled was arguably the biggest band from Tucson at that time and they they came out with a lot of really big records yeah yeah yeah, it was crazy. Like two thousand three, like those were like the local heroes. So stuff like that. I uh, I, don't, I don't have the same credit so many people do, you know. So I, I have to talk about them. Like, <laughs> like you know, I've been doing this for fifteen, sixteen years, but I, I just came from it from so many different places. Yeah, from hardcore, from um, you, you know, from pop punk, from from metalcore, and and I think for me it was just what's next. You know, yeah, just thinking, and being like, okay, like wow, I really like this, like. Let me let me dive into this for an extended period and like oh like shit like oh what is this like I didn't have someone a lot of people had had parents that you know like I could talk to people and like oh my parents listened to Metallica and and uh, you know they turned me onto onto vinyl at, a, at an early age and, and I didn't I didn't really have that my uh, you know my my parents listened to like the Beatles and right you know, right you know, my dad liked country when I was when I was young and I hated country. <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't have that, and uh, <laughs> so it was kind of just on my own, and just just figuring out, uh, you know, the scene from 
from from genre to genre, from band to band, and, yeah, and whatever connected with me at the moment, and uh, and, uh, and then somehow getting getting to this, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's funny that you kind of mentioned the blood there because it's weird. Like one of my like closest friends, he still regards um, past the flask as like one of the best sort of like post metal, uh, sorry, post hardcore sort of records to this yes. day, and still. Like when we're when we're on drives and stuff, that will be like a go-to record. So it's not yes. nice to see that they they were kind of like local heroes to you. They they were they they went everywhere. They uh, oh man, that pass the flask changed so many people's lives in Tucson. Probably yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy. And and just seeing them tour and um, and we you know we knew them and they were a little bit older than us and and uh, we, you know we're kind of friends now what we we played shows with some of their other bands after they broke up yeah and, and like friends of mine from high school have been in bands with them and and, and it's yeah like i've seen them at, at north shows and i'm like wow like you know you guys were like the revolutionaries <laughs> yeah. <in> 2004 <laughs> and so obviously in terms of kind of you picking up drums was that something that that you were always drawn to like what where did that kind of idea of sort of playing that come into did you experiment with other instruments first or was it always drums i full-on disclosure when i was 12 i uh i wanted to be a hip-hop dj oh okay (laughs) right like like just some white kid in tucson thinking like because i was really into hip-hop like that was one of the first styles of music that i really found myself drawn to when i was like seven eight nine like tupac dr dre like mid-90s stuff I yeah mean, yeah kind of stuff I, I liked and it's like it's, that's you know, seven year old listening to tupac uh but yeah i just had these weird delusions of that you know and then uh yeah i mentioned that i was interested in drums and i i didn't think it was a possibility because i thought drums were just out of my my family's uh price range right and um one christmas my mom surprised me i think i was 13 and I was like, oh my god, like, this is so cool. Like, I hadn't, you know, I kind of put off hope that I could ever, that I could ever play them. Yeah. And, like, you know, what happens next? Like, I can't, I can't play. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I'm listening to music, and I'm, I'm trying to emulate these records, and and that's that's really how I learned, was um, was putting on records that I liked, and, and trying to play the beats, and going online and, and printing out these ridiculous tabs that don't make sense and that's just the most simple 4-4 beat and, yeah. and again my, my best friend at the time who was the one that turned me on to all this music he, he got a guitar and he met kids at his school and they started a, a band you know in 7th grade or you know year what is that year, year 7 and he's like well you have drums so you should be in the band I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> And they're like, you know what? Neither do we. So, so that worked so well, and it, especially to come up with people when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, and you're experimenting together, and you come up and you learn together. And um, that that guy, his name was Ty, and he is one of the, the founders of North, and you know, he oh, kept okay. playing with us until um, until 2010. So we we were in a band together for 10 years. Um, you know, from when we were like fourteen to, yeah. to like twenty four, twenty five, mm. and uh, and that was really it. Like once I heard it, like I I worshipped all the drummers around that time, 
and just seeing their their sparkly drum kits and uh you know yeah the aesthetic really really drew me in it felt like that was like the badass thing to do (laughs) yeah I mean, in retrospect, drums are they're such a pain in the ass, but, <laughs> but I love them, you know, I've been playing for, for 16, 17 years now, so, like, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't still be playing them if I just didn't, yeah, of uh, course. if it wasn't just second nature to me at this point, it's yeah. just the most thing in the world now. You mentioned that kind of doing, sort of being influenced by, by hip-hop and things and wanting to be a hip-hop DJ, so when you first got the drum kit and sort of like was self-teaching, were you listening to... To hip hop beats, or were you listening to punk records? I was listening to punk records. Right, I okay. Was still into hip hop, but I, I at that point I was fully, you know, fully enveloped in into punk. Yeah. Um, what was that? That MXPX, uh, MXPX record, um, "The Shape of Things to Come." I think yeah. is the name of it, like '99 or something. And like, like I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, like." that stuff's not real punk. And I'm like, well, you know, to a kid in Tucson, that was. Yeah, like, yeah. These guys, these guys were doing what they wanted, and they played fast, fun music, and, and I loved it, you know? So so stuff like that, and, um, like, early, like, mid-'90s emo, too. Like, Jimmy Eat World is from Arizona, and they were also local heroes, too. Mm. So, like, mid-'90s emo, like, Promise Ring, Get Up Kids, um... Uh, you know, uh, Jimmy World, like that, that Midwestern sound too was uh, was part of it. Cause you know you're you're so emotional when you're young. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was mostly just these punk records that that were just mixing, you know, uh, just speed and, and melody and tempo. Like like I, I wasn't immediately able to to dive into more harsher harsher music. And mm. and you know some people can't still can't do it you know you put it on they're just like oh what is this screaming i can't deal with yeah, this yeah yeah and it's like you know you just you get used to it when you're when you're coming up and you know wow like it's the emotion behind it and the feeling behind it and like if you, if you can't understand that then uh then i don't know how to explain it to you <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> watching these hardcore bands from you know i can't even None of them were big. They were all just Tucson bands, Phoenix bands. But you know, that was that was a big formation for me too. Was watching these um these early two thousand hardcore bands from Tucson, mm. and I mean, were they any good? Probably not in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. But again, like it was abrasive. It was it was uh it was hard. It was heavy. And and watching their shows and and seeing the passion they had. So many of them were straight edge bands too. So seeing that that influenced me as well. Yeah. So are you are you straight edge? I am straight edge. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I've been straight edge since I was like fourteen. So, so it's not, it's not like a thing we, we talk about. It's just that's just who I am. And, no, no, no. That's that's yeah. It's so just we're not like a straight edge band. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves weed in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I jump on that because I'm straight edge as well. So it's I always oh, okay. I always kind of I'm interested in in people's kind of journeys to to discover that. So was was it kind of seeing those straight edge bands in Tucson that kind of got you to, to sort of understanding that sort of ethos and world. Yeah, for sure. It was part, it was partly seeing all the straight edge bands in Tucson and, and coming up with, uh, coming up, growing up with kids at my high school who, who show me the same thing. You know, a lot of, a lot of the kids at my high school were, um, were very into metal and hardcore and we, you know, it's something that you, that you bond over when you're young Yeah, and, 
and while those don't last, you know, so many people don't last, obviously, because it's, it's not the lifestyle that, that everybody has, but but coming up and, and seeing these bands and, you know, putting the, the big black X's on your hand, <laughs> yeah. very much, um, to me, it, it, it really felt like I belonged, because I, I was never... I was never interested in any of that anyways. So for someone to come up and, and, and kind of validate my identity in a way. So it's like, it's like, listen, you're not alone and it's not a crazy thing for you not to be wanting to, to smoke or drink or abuse drugs. Yeah. And, and I was like, wow, like, I can't believe there are other people like me and that they, they, you know, they share a common ethos and they, they write music about it. So that, that was really powerful to me. Um, you know, it's kind of a bummer because so many uh, so many straight edge bands in the states kind of advocated a lot of violence back then, mm. and and it was kind of labeled, it was labeled as a gang in Utah. Yeah, and that, yeah. That stuff never really built to me. It was it was more just like a community and and kind of sharing a bond with someone. And uh, and again, like I, I feel like I was really kind of lost when I was younger, and all this stuff kind of brought me into a fold and and allowed me to. Uh, I don't know to to live to live a relatively happy life instead of kind of being a, a mopey kid and yeah yeah and not, and not knowing what he wants to do with his life and instead it's like you have this community that that brings you in and and welcomes you and and I, I kind of felt that way you know just watching these bands and just identifying with them mm. yeah it was kind of a similar thing so it was like I was sort of didn't really know what to kind of do with my life and sort of things like that and I remember sort of discovering bands kind of like uh have heart and things like that and seeing because obviously this is early embryonic stages of the internet seeing sort of early youtube videos of them playing live and just seeing this kind of massive sort of mentality of everyone's in this together sort of thing and i was like it just like it was like a light bulb moment sort of like something clicked oh, yeah. and i was sort of like oh yeah that that's it that's what i want to be in sort of thing so yeah yep. I, I totally get that yeah S- seeing that too i'm trying to remember like uh so many of those trust skill bands, like those like metalcore, hardcore bands in the in the aughts, were uh, were straight edge at yeah. the time. And I would read their tour blogs and and be like, "Damn, like these guys are are awesome." I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really look up to these guys. <laughs> uh, and, and same with like uh, a lot of the bands, uh, like Unearth was a big example. Like they were one of the bands that really got me into. Um, progressively more and more heavy metal yeah and obviously they're kind of regarded as metalcore now and i haven't listened to them probably in 15 years but mm. they had this really anti-human kind of message and that really resonated with me as well yeah so, as, as you can see from language records <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in terms of kind of you, you starting playing so you mentioned sort of north in this embryonic stages starting when you were still in school so is, was north kind of and obviously still is, but was that your first band, so to say? Uh, we we had a high school band, so that same this the same fellow that we started North together. We we played pop punk, punk rock, whatever. That was our that was our high school band, right? So, so we did that, and honestly, when we graduated, we um we were just we looked at it and we were like, this is like we're just not really feeling this music anymore. You know, we've been doing it because we were friends, and because we've been playing around Tucson for four to five years, but it got to that point where we, we graduated and we felt like we were adults and we're like, this is not, this is not really the music that we're into anymore. It's not the scene we're into. We don't really self-identify with any of these people anymore. Uh, 
pop punk tends to skew young, which is a popular, <laughs> yeah. right? So when you're 17, 18, you're like, like I feel like I'm an adult already. Like, yeah, like, we're not making adult music. Not not to like hate on any pop punk now, but but that's how I felt when I was 17, 18, and we we really drew inspiration from from the emerging instrumental scene that was coming out at the time. Mm. So we to to, to go from lead vocal driven short songs to suddenly having these emotional connections with a six minute song that has no vocals uh that was that was really a, a breakthrough i feel for us yeah like uh, that's not something that is a it's a popular it's not a, it's not a pop culture it's not relevant in pop culture usually you know you people are like oh you listening to a soundtrack You're like no i'm listening to the sound of of failure and of, and of my heart and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know and it just allows so much room for interpretation so we were really really drawn to that like mogwai um explosions in the sky were a massive influence obviously around the time yeah. godspeed you emperor uh and we just dived into this and we're like like this is this is incredible like we want to be doing this immediately and so we started north and and we just jumped right into it and our contemporaries the very first year we played like we we played tucson with um with caspian the first oh, time yeah, they yeah. Ever toured. the first time they ever toured and they're they just finished you know touring with minus the bear in front of five thousand people and they're still going strong so yeah. we met like that was the first time we met caspian and, and this will destroy you we met them on their very very first tour like they had just released their first demo and and again that band is massive and and just coming up and, and seeing this explosion of of post rock, uh, which we which we were very much into, and that led to that really led to the next thing, which was you know post metal mm. and the influences that they share and red oh red sparrows you know you know you got members of ISIS and yeah. red sparrows and, and being drawn immediately to ISIS and and uh, and Pelican. And, and again, all those Hydrahead bands. Like yeah. Cave, you know, Caven's not really post-rock or anything, but, you know, just... They've got that bands. influence, haven't they? Yeah, and, you know, it's like, if they're in that same circle, so Old Man Gloom and, and Caven and Isis and, and Pelican and just so many of these Hydrahead bands and being like, wow, like we can start to integrate, you know, heavier and heavier elements, which is what we wanted to do. Mm. Because we were, obviously, we were very much into heavy music too, but... Um, but again, it's just just finding music that shows you what is possible. Yeah, well, uh, you kind yeah. Of, you've kind of addressed what I was kind of, kind of ask, but because obviously you, you've mentioned this, obviously as North kind of went on, it's obviously got heavier, bigger sort of soundscapes and things like that. And was that just a case of not necessarily moving with the times, but because of what you were listening to, that was then obviously influencing what was being portrayed in your music as well. Yes and no, because we were always kind of listening to that from from the formation. But we, North has always been a band that is about moving forward and and pushing the envelope onto the next thing. We, I, I personally, I'm not a fan of when bands write the same record. So that that can cause me to lose interest in a band. And I know it's I know not everybody feels that way and it's kinda of like people would love for the same band to put out the same record fifteen times in a row. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm about progression and pushing the envelope and moving forward. And especially as you 
I feel like as I as I get older, you know, I, I don't want to be the same person I was a year ago or five years ago. So that that was kind of how it was with North, and we we wanted to keep pushing the boundaries and see what we could add. And so that's you know we started getting heavier and heavier and brought in a vocalist with harsh vocals, and people really did not like that. <laughs> okay. Because we, we, we had been building really well within the post-rock scene, uh, post-rock, post-metal scene, and so we, I think we lost a lot of fans when we when we did that. And in retrospect, we talked about it so many times. We're like, man, we should have just changed our name. Like, it was only 2007. Yeah. We'd only been a band for two and a half years, but we felt that with our first two records that we had attained a certain level of notoriety uh, within within the like the burgeoning post-rock scene. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to have to start over, but in retrospect, it's like, oh, we probably should have just started over <laughs> uh, with, with a different name because it, it wasn't that you know it didn't matter that much, mm. uh, and and the sound was just so much different with the vocalist. But but we always felt that that North sound was was us. So as long as it was us, and that there was some sort of sense of melody and some sort of sense of uh, of progression song wise, you know, all of our songs have really been. Um, uh, it's not not prog, you know, but we we don't write standard songs, you know. We don't write um, uh, chorus, verse, chorus, verse. Yeah, of course. Know? And you can't do that in post in post rock. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's almost like crescendo and, and part to part. So we we really like having musical ADD and and putting together a, an amazing song out of six or seven different moving parts. Mm. And uh, so that was part of it too, and. and and the guys definitely all started getting into more and more diverse influences. You know, we start to branch out as people. And, like, I started moving into more drone and ambient-based music. And some of the guys drifted more into more death metal music and progressive metal and um, a lot of uh, maybe more melodic sludge. Like, So that's that's where that North sound comes from. It's like, it's like wow, so you're pulling some some of the heaviness of, of late 2000s Gojira and then you're combining that with like Blue Album Red Album Baroness yeah and then like I'm pulling in like influences from from Tim Hecker and Christian Finez and just these like obscure you know just electronic bass like just want to fuck stuff up like, <laughs> like there's no there's no uh, there's no boundaries in music and and that's what i think is the most important thing is that is that there's no restrictions in music there's there's no one that can tell you what to do yeah you know, even, even if you have a label that's like i don't like this record be like cool i'll write another one and you don't have to put it out yeah you know? yeah <laughs> you should never let anyone restrict you and and we always felt that same way like like yeah we'll write We'll write a different record every time. We'll we'll grow as people. We'll add another guitar player. We'll kick out a guitar player. We'll change vocalists. We'll do whatever. Like as long as it's this pure idea of uh, of North, like that will always be North. Yeah, and in terms of kind of not the difference between North and language, I guess this is kind of more specific for you because obviously you're a drummer. Yeah, and I, I guess kind of you saying that you're an Unearth fan might kind of un- answer this a little bit. But because obviously, as you mentioned, sort of in those early days, it was very sort of post-rock, post-metal sort of thing. And then obviously, fast forward to Languish, and it's just pure 
blast beats and things like that. So the, obviously yeah. the drumming styles are completely different. So was it a case of that you were just kind of toying around and practicing? Because like, as a compliment, your blast beats are tight as hell. So like, is it just a, like my mind boggles from going from someone that's playing post rock to these insanely tight really fast drum rolls so was it just a case of practice 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 like where were you bringing that influence from uh really i was getting into uh i was getting heavily into black metal right okay uh, maybe maybe like 10 years ago and experimenting with that cascading in black metal and you know when wolves in the throne room were really coming out right and it was just this new wave of black metal i never really identified with corpse paint <laughs> yeah yeah an original you know you know like original black metal that that never really appealed to me i uh so when cascadian black metal came around you know bands like um like whoa and wolves in the throne room and uh uh oh i'm spacing on so many of them uh fell voices and bands from california and just just kind of more nature-based like like i was really into that and so yeah. so that kind of started to influence my uh my music more and i started to uh to dive deeper and deeper into grindcore, and I mean I, everybody, I feel like has their like grindcore bands that they like from from an early age. Like you're like, oh yeah, like that's like it's, a, but it's hard to to come to grips with it as a serious style of music if you haven't been shown that it's a serious style of music. Yeah, and so you know you start to dive in deeper and deeper, and you're like, wow, like yeah, this this really speaks to me. Like I was always um, I was always a. Uh, uh, an agoraphobic nosebleed fan yeah and like an anal cunt fan like just i thought it was just like the upper limits of extreme music and like wow like, this is awesome like like it's not even a real drummer like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's completely fake and i love it uh and so so just getting more and more to that and then really it was the emergence of kind of more more recent uh not, not necessarily political bands but more kind of recent bands like um like Full of Hell, Gaza, at the time, you know, now Cult Leader, yeah. uh, Cloud Rat, bands from the U.S. that that were starting to go around, and I'm like, I'm like, this is again, this is like visceral, powerful music that that I feel we can't necessarily convey through North. So I had I had incorporated a few kind of black metal parts into into North songs, like around like 2010, 2012, like like little little things, like things that people would never pick up on. Yeah. And um, and that's just because North could could stretch, you know. North could stretch itself, but it could never write a pure black metal song. Or a pure <laughs> yeah. Song. <laughs> so to be able to uh, to start diving in, and again, it's just it's just being exposed to so many things, and and thinking about it, and and putting it into practice in your own time. So that that really is what I did start to do. I started to um to uh, to work on like blast, uh, black metal parts and, and blast beat parts. And just in my spare time, just messing around, or maybe we'd be practicing and, and we'd start playing this ridiculous ten-minute black metal riff, and we'd finish and be like, "That was really cool, guys! Like, what the hell are we gonna do with that?" Yeah. <laughs> so, so Matt, Matt from from Northern Language, you know, the guitar player who I've been with for since two thousand five. You know, him and I are the the, the main constants in, in both bands. Yeah. And uh, we, because North North started to get a little bit more splintered. As, as we got a little older and our, our bass player Evan uh, started going around um, to California for work and we wanted to do something so 
So he, I was, I was talking to him, like, I'm really into this kind of grindcore, like, incorporating black metal, kind of blackened death stuff. And, and he was like, yeah, like, totally. He's like, I'm really wanting to dive into more napalm deathy and, uh, and insect warfare and, and stuff like that. So mm. we, we started to kind of dive more and more into that and just kind of talking about it. And really, it was just building from the ground up. Like, I have the first demo still from our phone, and he would um, he would send me a riff. I would listen to it on my way to practice, and we'd get there and we'd write the song. Okay. And it was really, yeah, it was really just starting from the ground from the ground up. Like, and that's what we talked about a lot was uh, was this isn't a band where we are coming with it with this tradition or this history. It's uh, it's we're we're, we're starting new. Yeah. You know, we haven't been in grindcore. We haven't been in death metal before. And but you know but we're fans obviously and we're 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 in the scene like we know we know everybody and but now it's like we want our chance and we want to incorporate this this music that we've always been fans of but haven't had a chance to to really explore mm. and so we explored it together and and I, I told the guys when they the other guys when they joined the band I'm like I'm like I don't want to do things that have been done before so if you you know if you tell me that that's not how it's supposed to go. I'm not gonna listen. You know? <laughs> I wanna, I wanna push the boundaries of whatever I'm doing. Yeah, um, I just wanna backtrack a little bit, just because obviously you brought up a full bit nosebleed, and um, obviously recently Cat Cats quit the band, so I just wanted to get your your view as a fan. Like, how do you feel about that sort of announcement? Because I, like, when I saw that, I was proper bummed out. I was really bummed out too, and it really sucks with the he said she said situation, and I. I, I traditionally always take the side of uh, um, the uh, not not necessarily ban- I don't want to say the abuse because not like she was abused, but yeah, um, yeah. But you know the the victim. Like yeah. I, I feel like if you you know reading both accounts, like I really can't say I don't know those people, um, but they're all professionals. They've been doing that for for how many years? So so it's it's really hard to question. Agoraphobic nosebleed at, at you know it's like they really are professionals, but at the same time, if they what they did was unprofessional, then that's that happens too. So yeah. if that really felt uncomfortable and felt that they acted inappropriately, then they did. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is you have to see from her side if she felt like she was being. Oh yeah, totally. It, yeah, it's like you can't determine how someone feels. Mm. So if she, if she felt that way, if she felt in, if she felt like she was being mistreated, then then I think she was mistreated, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I really can't comment. Beyond, <laughs> no, no, that's beyond, fine. Beyond just... so much, just because I'm not I'm not in the situation. No, that's fine. I just wanted your your perspective <laughs> as a fan. That was all. Um. So obviously, with with language, kind of then sort of starting to write more, do sort of records and things. Obviously, but bringing in Sean as a as the vocalist so was that obviously i know he had another sort of arizona guy so what was it was he someone that was always sort of bouncing around like was it a case that he asked to join the band how did bringing him in to to do vocals happen so we we have known sean since uh probably about 13 or 14 years he hit uh his friends, his high school friends, had this amazing house show venue called the Narwhal House. Okay. So, so many of them still have that in like their, you know, in their pseudonyms. So many of them still go by that because they have this amazing house where it was just filthy, obviously, and 
the living room was covered in mattresses. <laughs> awesome. And they, yeah, and they just threw shows. And so they had bands, and we knew, you know, North played there a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, so we knew each other, we knew each other from there. We, we played uh, we played shows around Tucson. Like, Tucson's such a small scene, so everybody kind of knows each other. Mm. Uh, even mixed, you know, even mixed genres. Like, um, there was a band called Alarm that was made up of Narwhal guys, and it was... Uh, it's really kind of mathy, fast, like fast hardcore. Right. And they, you know, we play shows with North, and we play shows with um, so it's you know, like a post rock band and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like yeah, like we're friends. Like this is what you do. We're all this. We're all the same age, and we want to bring diverse crowds. And so they have this amazing venue called the Narwhal House. And uh, uh, so then as we, you know, as people get older, they join other bands. So Sean was in a band called Territory, and he still is, which is a great. Uh, you know, metallic hardcore band from here, and their drummer, his name is Matt as well, and he was in a band. Uh, he's not, he was uh, he was basically the one that taught me how to play drums. We went to high school together. Okay, cool. Uh, we went to middle school together. We came up, we came up together, and so he was playing drums for them, and Sean was in that band, and he had another band that he did vocals for temporarily. So, so when we were when we were talking about it, we we thought like, okay, like. Sean would probably be a pretty good bet. Like he is in the scene, he is very familiar with what we're doing. I think we even invited him in to watch a practice. And right. Okay. He, he was really into it, so he was like, "Man, it's it's like his hero is gone," and we're like, "Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's exactly what we're going for." You know, he was really into the crusty, uh, you know, grindy elements because that's 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 his scene too. Yeah. He's, he's that stuff and. Uh, and he, I don't even think he was in Gate Creeper yet. I think he was just joining Gate Creeper. The Gate Creeper record hadn't been released yet, so we, we brought him in on bass. Or uh, sorry, he was he was playing bass for Gate Creeper. Yeah. And uh, we brought him in. I think the first Gate Creeper show in Tucson was like two weeks before the first Language show. So. Oh okay. It's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we kind of debuted around the same time, and uh, and so that was cool too because again that guy Matt, the drummer who was in, he's. The drummer for Gatekeeper as well. So oh, just, okay. Everything's just so interconnected. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we, we brought in Sean and um, and he started doing vocals. And we're like, oh shit! Like this is exactly what we're going for. Like yeah. this is the most evil sounding stuff. Like, <laughs> he brought it so hard. We weren't even sure what to expect, but we just knew that we liked him as a person and we liked him musically, and we thought he'd be a good fit. And he was really into language. Yeah. And we thought it's important and. Uh, and oh yeah, holy shit! Like he just brought it. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and uh, I still, I'm like, every time I hear, it, I'm like, man, like you're killing it. Like, you're <laughs> like I think you're one of the best vocalists in death metal. You know, like, like how do you, how did you do that? It's crazy. <laughs> and obviously, that for people that are kind of with it, like fans of of the genre that Languish do, like you're you're a band that will be on their radar anyway. But obviously with Sean being in Gatekeeper, a band that kind of in the last year or so have kind of crossed a lot of musical boundaries. Yeah. Have you found that there's sort of almost a, a cross contamination with people now discovering language because Sean is in Gatekeeper? I think so. And I think that's a good thing. We early on when we started language, I really wanted to push the interconnectivity of all the bands involved. Right, so okay. I was like, I really want to emphasize, but like, this is a North project, this is a territory project, 
this is a gatekeeper project because I, I really believe in the power of community and and uh, and just coming together. It's like we're so much stronger together. We're so much stronger pulling for each other. We're so much stronger playing together. And so that was really important to me. And that's kind of why we kind of still emphasize it. It's like it's like yeah, members of North, Gay Creeper territory. It's like it's like you have these people from diverse bands, and we we've come together to do this record, and uh, and it's all positive. There's no there's no negative connotation. I feel we if more people listen to North, that's awesome. If more people listen to Language because of North or because of Gay Creeper, that's awesome. You know, there's so many bands and there's so many years and I know there's you know there's only so much time in people's lives <laughs> yeah. so so if you can be pulled in by an affiliates band and be really into it and that's important like mm. if you if you come across us because of Gay Creeper that's great if you come across us because of North that's great too we, we I wholeheartedly uh, <laughs> endorse both of those <laughs> actions you know because because yeah we can all eat you know we can all we can all uh, we can all be in this together. We can all present a united face and uh, and pull for each other. And you know, great gate creeper is killing it, and we love it. And like they're they're living the dream right now. Yeah. And it's like it's like damn. And Sean had a lot of people coming up to him, telling him like, "Hey, I'm excited for this language record." And, and that's great because like language can't tour as much because of our schedules and because you know gate creepers is just on these massive tours yeah and so it's like it's like yeah you're kind of you're helping out by just being seen and being and people know be like yeah these bands put out good shit and i know that if if they're affiliated then it's gonna be good shit yeah yeah and obviously well new record out now so obviously from the difference for for you personally from between uh from extinction to unworthy what would you kind of say has been sort of like the biggest sort of musical shift for, for language? I think the focus has really tightened. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I was expressing earlier, we, we were just saying, fuck it, like throw, throw caution to the wind. Let's, let's do whatever we want to do. Like mm. the extinction, extinction came together in maybe two months. And Matt okay. and I wrote the whole thing. Like we suddenly we, realized we had 10 songs and we didn't even have a band uh <laughs> <laughs> so it's like to have that so focused and um and come together so quickly it, it is what it is it's raw record it's crusty it's punk it's it's grindy it's heavy uh so then we were able to kind of percolate and think look what what are we doing now like what what exactly is the next step and as uh you know, as you as your music taste changed, as your as your taste shift, like Matt started focusing a lot more on kind of early '90s grindcore and thinking more about. We started thinking more about the connections between death metal and grindcore. And uh, Matt had always kind of tinkered around with more death metal riffs because it's fun. It's it's such fun music to play. Yeah. Uh, and then bands like Blood Incantation and Spectral Voice, like it's like a new wave of of and, and Gatekeeper, it's like it's like a new wave of death metal. Yeah. Uh, so it's not to say that we're like trying to capitalize on it because I feel like our music is so much different from all these bands. Uh, but it was more like, like what what more can we do? Like what more can we can we put together? And then having Sean and Ryan, who is our our bass player, they both have they're like encyclopedias. <laughs> Sean is a student of metal, 
like I've, I don't know if I've met anyone that has that you know that likes metal more than Sean and, <laughs> and the guy in band. And I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna listen to Johan Johansson over here, and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then I'll you know I'll put on the new Blood Incantation record or the new Spectral Voice or something like that. Like, but I I, I feel like my tastes just wander so much and, and go into experimental music and and, and weird shit. Uh, that that you can't really pull into metal. Uh, so then to have them have this encyclopedic knowledge of of grindcore and metal, uh, Ryan will hear a riff that we write, and he's like, he's like, wait, he's like, that kind of sounds like, and he'll sit there for like five minutes, and he'll come up and he's like, oh, it kind of sounds like this song. <laughs> How did you even put that together? That sounds nothing alike. But you know, he's our producer, and he and he produces bands here, and. So he just has such a great year. Yeah. So having them for the writing process was uh, was obviously incredible. So to have them bring all their knowledge to the table and to even talk about a song, we'd just be sitting there and, and Ryan would be like, I really want to do a full D-beat song. Like, let's put together just only D-beat. And, and then Matt starts playing a riff and I start playing drums. And we're like, oh, and, that, and that's it. And it comes together. So yeah. discussing it and talking about it and... And, and then suddenly it, you have 15 songs and mm. you look at it and you're like, this is uh, like, this is a monster. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what have we created? And then you listen to it and you're like, this is really, it's got a lot of death influences. It's got a lot of, you know, it's always going to have doom influences, which is probably my favorite genre of, of metal. Mm. And, uh, and it's like, I just want to play fast and I just want to play music that connects with people on a visceral, like emotional level. And, and have a point at the same time yeah and in terms of because obviously both you and Matt are obviously as you said the sort of constants in both bands so when it comes to the pair of you writing when do you kind of, do you kind of a lot time for each band so you say right we're going to do a north practice and then we're going to do a language practice or do you come to each other with ideas for 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 Matt, for instance, does he come to you and say, "I've got a riff that would sound good for North," or "I've got a riff that would sound good for for Language"? How does it work? In in the early days, we would go back and forth, right? Even in the in the same practice, we okay. would work on, a, on the North song, and then we would switch to Language. Uh, and then as as the bands became more segmented and North became more of a of a touring band, we would uh, we mostly would just a lot of time so. You know, say we have a North tour, we're like, okay, well, like, coming up, we're just going to rehearse for North. Yeah. And, and um, when we get home, we have like, three months in between tours, let's write language songs. So really, it's just kind of talking about it ahead of time, and we get in writing mode. So, so when we really sat down, um, what was it, la- last winter to, was it last winter? Oh, man, it's, it's been a while. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we wrote Unworthy. Um, uh, in January 2017 so, right. so yeah it's been almost uh, oh wow yeah it's been almost two years now since we actually wrote it so we we had a couple songs that were that we were playing live and they were shifting in the general direction of what we were thinking and so we sat down and we said like okay we want to write this language record we want a new record like we really like Extinction but we love playing new music we want to we want to play new music yeah, so cool. So we sat down and we you know, we do the group text. You call the guys. We're, we're, doing, <laughs> yeah. we're doing language writing sessions, and we let everybody know. And like, if they show up, you know, if they can show up, 
uh, and then we can put stuff together, and then when they get to practice, we can show them. So, so much of it is that, and, and just planning ahead of time, and so we, we allotted maybe like two or three months, and we were done writing in maybe like two or three months, and we recorded the next one, so we, we just did it. We did it super fast, like, like we had been thinking about these songs for a couple of years, we had thrown away songs, we had, uh, you know, whatever songs survived, we thought were really good, and and we were able to focus and and just and do about you know two or three months of concentrated language writing and not really think about anything else. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the other thing why I feel like the record is so good is that we it wasn't kind of like a it wasn't rushed but also wasn't taking forever. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was just the right amount of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. Kind of on a on a similar sort of vibe, like in terms of kind of life. Obviously, you mentioned sort of like Sean with Gate Creeper. Obviously, they've got like a, a hectic schedule and things like that. But obviously, yes. as as you mentioned, like North are busy touring as well. So for for you balancing sort of doing life with North and language, is it a case of just when everyone can kind of come together with language? Because obviously, there's a bit more sort of moving elements. Or, do, again, is it something that you sit down and think, right, we finished the North tour, now let's try and sort out a language tour? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, just a lot of trying to figure out everyone's schedules. Be like, okay, like, Sean, so, you know, it's easy to know because Gate Cooper books so many tours in advance, so we try to figure out what's going on for language shows and, and for language tours and for language records and just kind of being on top of schedules because we really are, you know, pulled in so many different directions. And uh, luckily, that's my my favorite thing is just <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so it's so it's it's partly that you know it's like Sean, are you gonna be home for this? Like we're gonna be writing for this, and then uh, you know we can practice without vocals, or or we can get together and we can we can sort out a rough part that maybe not everybody is is comfortable with, and uh, and yeah, just learning to compartmentalize the different bands mm. and it's funny because matt and i actually have a third band that we're oh, okay. working through so 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 right now like it's it's like it kind of alternates sometimes we'll do back-to-back practices and that's and that's fun too so it's like a whole night of just completely different genres and, and different music and uh and just having fun because it's all it's the only thing we want to do really is just write and play music so yeah and in terms of kind of um the new record like you mentioned that there was obviously sort of a bit more of a, f- a focus kind of going into it and things, but in terms of the actual material, was there kind of a was there kind of like a thematic line going through it, or was it a case that you just wanted it to be this sort of evil, abrasive sounding record? We we did talk about kind of a theme before we even really started writing. You know, we were like the the, the cover art was one of the first concepts we kind of came up with, right? Uh, you know, a Grim Reaper kind of standing out over the world and uh, and just getting ready to just snuff it out. <laughs> yeah. So that so that was really a, a part of it, and then just just living just living in this world right now was, yeah. uh, was enough for, um, for motivation <laughs> yeah. and for theme and for uh, <laughs> for for context. You know, just um, just seeing everything. Just God, there's there's so much. That, mm. uh, that, that influences the um, the pain and the hatred and the abrasiveness and and the noise and, and just wanting to uh, to be heard. Yeah, and 
away from kind of north and, and language obviously you you mentioned earlier that your kind of taste has gone to the more experimental side and obviously you do a bit of noise and drone yourself don't you i do yes yeah. so is that again is that just a case of wanting to to try something a bit different a bit new because for me i've always found people that do that type of music incredibly sort of interesting because for me i could not even think of where to start with that kind of thing (laughs) so like was it just a case of one day that you were, were were messing around and something just sort of tweaked like how did you kind of decide that you wanted to give it a go ah wow um that's a that's a really really great question um so i've been doing it for maybe about nine or ten years now right okay and um are you familiar with rosetta yes yeah so rosetta and their first very very first album the galilean satellites um that was a massive influence on on me personally and um they did a double record so one record was you know was the song the other record was just spacey ambient noisy you know sample based stuff and they would play on top of each other and um when we started touring with them back in 2008 i and seeing how this was incorporated live into the music like it just it really connected with me Mm. uh on a level that that i hadn't really connected with something before and just having this abstract it's it's like it's like yeah where do you go from extreme music oh i don't know like drone (laughs) 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 so it's it's so soothing and it's so contemplative and it's also so against the ground against the grain at the same time Mm. it it just it just so connected with me again and uh so just deep diving into that and talking with the rosetta guys who were all into that already and just, just again, just discovering a whole new world. I was a really big Cigarettes fan. Right. I still am. I love, I love that band. Yeah. They they were always on the more floaty, experimental side, and there was a lot of post rock that I liked around that time. That was um, that would start to drift a little bit more to into the into the beatless realm. Mm. And so, as a drummer, being being able to focus on something without a beat was like felt like the complete opposite of what I could do. And yes, yeah. it's really freeing. Um, in a way and again it's the same way you build up and you build up and you, and you learn and you and you find new artists and you and you figure out what your sound is going to be and because i've had people ask me that before you know like how do i even start and i'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what everybody starts different you know find find that one pedal find that one guitar chord that you love and and manipulate it and and swell it and throw it through 15 delays and just have fun. I, mm. I took me years to even play live, or even um, even have the confidence to say, "Be like, oh, look at me! Like, I did this." Yeah. And, it, and now I, I feel very self-assured of myself. You know, I don't just in terms of of what I think I'm doing. Like, I feel like I can pinpoint an idea and I can produce that. Yeah. And, and it's really it's really soothing, and it's it's so different. And to be able to do a solo project is. Uh, is also really freeing in a way too. Mm. Well, cause, to be, yeah, to be completely in charge of everything, you know. Because the the reason I ask is obviously, 
unfortunately there's still a, a kind of a stereotype that the drummers are the, the kind of the person that languishes in the in the back and isn't seen sort of thing and then but yeah. for you to kind of completely remove that aspect and then obviously kind of almost removing drums completely to being this now on your own sort of thing was it a weird kind of disconnect oh i was terrified <laughs> i i thought i would be fine and i was like wow this is completely different i've played hundreds of shows but now i'm all up here alone on yeah. stage by myself and everyone is staring at me and i was absolutely terrified oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so so to be able to do that and, and uh and that was also like, like I couldn't believe I did that. So wow, now I feel like I could do anything. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of kind of what you do for for the live performance, like do do you? Because I know a lot of kind of drone noise acts sort of they they kind of either incorporate sort of visuals or they kind of have sort of unique instruments and things like. Do, do you kind of bring anything to that, or do you just kind of think right? This is what I've produced, this is what I want to show you, sort of thing. Like, I, I don't want to say, do you have a gimmick, but is there something that you, you bring to it that's kind of a bit avant-garde, a bit different? I I think my thing is that I change it every performance. Right, okay. So I had visuals once. I had um, three or four synths, and I would loop, and I would play all of them. And then in, it kind of, I went into more laptop-based where I had these tracks, and I would manipulate the tracks, and uh, and I would do I would do live effects and I would do live mixing and then that changed into you know into oh I just want to bring a single synth and see what I could do with a single synth and it, it just it changes every time which is why I love doing it mm. and um, I feel no you know you feel no pressure to play your existing catalog or or have someone be like why didn't you play this? But like, I don't know, because you don't even know my music, so it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can just come up there and I can... Uh, what I'll usually do is about two or three weeks before show, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of think about how I'm feeling. Like, yeah. do, I feel like, do I feel like doing a, a noisy set? Do I want to have... Um, do I want to have more distortion heavily influenced? Do I want to have more of a harsh sound? Or do I want to maybe put together a soothing set? And I'll just start thinking about it and... I'll pull from my massive rack of, uh, <laughs> of of synthesizers or from guitar pedals, and I'll just start building. Yeah. And then start experimenting, and I won't even usually nail down what I'm doing until sometimes the day of, because I'm just so the process is what I love about it most. You know, the the, the final product is is important, but for me, it's so much about the process and, mm. and getting a headspace to deliver. You know, an entertaining drone set <laughs> yeah because the the other thing that has always kind of interested me is I've, I've got a friend that that does it and i like you've said i don't think i've ever seen a single set of his has been the same sort of thing <laughs> and yeah but the the thing that's always kind of got me is obviously like noise and drone acts they obviously do record they put out records and things like that yeah but doing live you don't well from my experience anyway you're not necessarily playing the stuff that you've written sort of thing yeah. it's a lot more kind of free flow and things like that so is it is it a case of kind of it's kind of almost the live and recorded is completely separate or do you try and incorporate like what is on the record into live recently it, they've been completely separate for me so 
it, you know, when you when you produce an album, it's this is how I felt at this time. This is what went into it, and uh, and I, that was that moment is lost now. So yeah. we, we move on, and now now I I try to I, I think about it in terms of feelings. So I, I try to evoke feelings and and try to get people to really connect. If I have one person come up to me and they say like, "Wow, like I've never really felt that way during a set," and that's my my goal has been achieved and that, yeah. that, that happens occasionally and it's like, that's all I need like that means so much to me that maybe you weren't necessarily familiar with this, this style of music and you came away with more of a profound look on things you know like maybe maybe you'll go out there and you'll start looking and and, uh, and that's that, that means a lot to, to be able to I don't know to influence someone's feelings up with the live set and that's that's something that I really take to heart mm. I, I have a show coming up soon that I need to start working on too so it's that's something to think about for the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well I'm so sort of winding down now Zach but so you mentioned obviously got a, got a drone set coming up soon but with obviously the the new Languish record out what what's kind of in the me- immediate future for, for Languish so right now we have uh, the two record release shows in Arizona, in Tucson and Phoenix, uh, those are in the, uh, the middle of November, and uh, we're really looking forward to those, and just pushing the record too, you know, it's, mm. it's getting a lot of Spotify plays, we're really happy with the Spotify plays, and the first pressing is very close to being sold out. Oh, there awesome. Might, there might be one record left, like, I mean, let me let me check. <laughs> there might be one or two records left. Oh, nope, it's sold out. There okay. we go. Awesome. There we go. So the first pressing is sold out. So there's going to be a second pressing coming soon. Uh, we are trying to figure out touring plans for next year, but uh, you, you never know. Like, well, we would like to uh, to bring this on the road. Uh, weekenders, maybe you know some shows in California. Uh, we were invited out to New York, so who knows what we can put together. Uh, but I feel with this band that the, that the music is is uh, is powerful enough and, and important enough that people will wait, and that hopefully we can kind of build a demand uh, for a live show. Yeah, uh, we really love playing live, and uh, it's just uh, pulling out all of our focuses together. Yeah, <laughs> and, and putting together a tour. So if anything, hopefully next summer. Uh, because we love the record, we want to, you know, we want to do as much as we can. We want to show off the record as much as we can. And how I like to to end things, Zach, is to to ask my guests um, what their favourite song is, but with a little bit of a twist. And okay. obviously, because you've got two bands, then you can get two choices. So, what is your favourite song that you like to play live, and why? So, if we take one North song and one Language song. there is uh there is a set of three language songs on extinction i believe it is six seven eight right and they technically all run together okay it's it's three songs it's maybe a minute and a half (laughs) okay i'll I'll let you have that uh and uh i love playing those songs we we call it the trio you know yeah And, and they're they're everything I wanted to do with language when we started that band is just I think two of the songs are 26 and like 30 seconds long yeah and just so much 
power and emotion and, and anger gets across in those three songs that it's like like wow that's that's it like there you go those are the three songs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're, they're very enjoyable because they you know one of them is like straight blast and then there's uh there's one with like a really fun fast db and then the next one has a really cool breakdown and it's like could this be one song like it could be but it's, not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's three songs <laughs> Uh, and and the I'm sure there's, uh, there's a bunch of songs off Unworthy that I love to play too, but yeah. that, that trio is uh, stands out to me. And maybe Unholy Land off of uh, Unworthy Yeah, and is in, uh, particularly a favorite track of mine. And in terms of North? Oh, oh God. Going back so deep into the North history. <laughs> <laughs> um, Primal Bloom. Yeah. Which, which is off Light the Way. And it's more of a Mastodonny song. And uh, we've talked about that kind of being maybe the future direction of North, you know, maybe more uh, uh, more of a heavier, sludgy, uh, old Mastodon sound. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun track to play. It's got really diverse uh, riffs. And uh, yeah, for sure, that one. We, I think we played that every single live show for the last two years. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Zach, thank you very much for, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, of course. Best of luck in pushing the, the record. Awesome to hear that the first pressings sold out. So, yeah, be- best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks no for worries. Me. Take care. You, you too. Bye. So there we have it folks, thanks again to Zach for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me and it's always nice to have a little chat with someone that claims Edge as well which was a nice little surprise to find out. Um, As always you can keep up to date with all of Zach's musical endeavours whether it be North, Languish or his Noise Project um, on all the various different social media platforms which links can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, and also you can remember to keep up to date with what's going on with this show Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching at just underscore and underscore insight um, and we'll ping pop up there you go give us a follow Um, also if you're listening on Apple uh, podcast give us a subscribe give us a review yeah give us one of them as well so yeah you know you know the drill If, if you're a new if you're a regular listener if you're newbie do, do the right thing um, but for now everyone thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast and I will see you soon